Don't stop advocating ever. Agitate, agitate, agitate. Because those relationships matter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Connecting ALS. I am your host, Jeremy Holden. On November 4th, the House Energy and Commerce Committee's Subcommittee on Health unanimously passed the Act for ALS bill. This bill would establish two new grant programs to fund an expanded access in certain circumstances for people not otherwise eligible for ALS clinical trials. It would also fund an FDA research program to find treatments and a cure for ALS in similar diseases. While this is a key step in moving the legislation forward, the fight is not over. And joining me to discuss this and other recent advocacy developments is this week's guest co-host, Ashley Smith, Director of Advocacy at the ALS Association. Ashley, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. Well, it's an exciting time, so we're really appreciated of of your time. And, uh, you know, we're still with Act for ALS in that part of how a bill becomes a law where Bill is hanging outside the closed committee room waiting to become a law. But how important is the subcommittee's unanimous vote to move on the bill? And I know this came out of what's known as a markup and for people listening at home who may not follow the ins and outs of Congress as closely as you do, what is a markup? So a markup is when a subcommittee or committee reviews the bill, giving members the opportunity to amend it, and then they either accept or reject it. This week's markup on the Act for ALS Act and the unanimous vote to approve the bill was a really important step in its path to passage. It shows that the bill has bipartisan support, which is really clear from the 326 House co-sponsors it's gained since it was reintroduced this year. It means that it should continue to move swiftly through the House Energy and Commerce Committee when they have their markup and then to the House floor for a vote. Yeah, and, and Representative Quigley, the, the primary sponsor of the bill in the House, said that in his call a few weeks ago to bring the bill up for a vote, it re- really talking about the bipartisan support for it and the high number of sponsors and co-sponsors that that bill has. But actually, Act for ALS is not the only thing taking up your time these days. Uh, the ALS Association recently partnered with the Alliance for Connected Care and the National Organization for Rare Disorders to call on governors in all 50 states to stop putting up barriers to telehealth access across state lines. You know, it occurs to me that when we talk about advocacy, it's often framed as something that happens in in Washington, D.C. Now, I know folks listening are excited and looking forward to the next time we can all come together in the nation's capitals for the annual advocacy conference, but state licensure flexibility is governed a lot closer to home. That's right. During the COVID-19 public health emergency, governors across the country used their emergency authority to waive some parts of state licensure requirements, which gave doctors more flexibility to treat patients across state lines through telehealth. However, over the past few months, many states across the country have allowed these flexibilities to expire, leading to a reduction in access to this vital care as the pandemic continues. That's why the ALS Association, NORD, and the Alliance for Connected Care along with more than 230 other organizations, sent a letter to all 50 state governors urging them to maintain and expand these telehealth flexibilities. We really want to ensure that people living with ALS can continue to access the specialized ALS care they need in the safest ways possible while COVID-19 continues to impact our lives. Yeah, and I know the fight to uh, maybe make some of these flexibilities permanent is important, and it's something that we've talked about on this show. So uh, definitely something we are going to keep an eye on going forward. 
Well, expanded access to telehealth and the Act for ALS are two of the association's top legislative priorities. But another one is increasing veterans benefits for people living with ALS and their family. And there has been some movement on the Justice for ALS Veterans Act. Yes, recently, Representatives Alyssa Slotkin and Representative Brian Fitzpatrick reintroduced the Justice for ALS Veterans Act. This bill would allow surviving spouses and family members of deceased veterans who live with ALS to receive additional financial support regardless of the time they were diagnosed. Right now, many spouses and family members of veterans with ALS are denied these benefits because they do not meet the eight-year life expectancy requirement. Late last night, the bill was passed out of the House Veterans Affairs Committee right in time for Veterans Day and is headed to the floor for a vote. Definitely something that we will keep our eyes on going forward. Uh, you know, Ashley, talking to you and, and thinking back to the development and Act for ALS and it, it moving out of the subcommittee, what does this mean for advocates who have been engaged along the way? Is this victory lap time or is this dig in and keep the fight going forward time? It's an exciting time for ALS advocates. Um, the movement on Act for ALS, the Justice for ALS Veterans Act, in addition to all of the great success we've had in our appropriations campaign this year, has really shown the power of ALS advocates across the country. And we're really excited about this forward momentum. It's a good, exciting time to take a pause and really celebrate the wins that we've had already in this cycle of Congress, but we still have a bit more to go. So I really encourage you, if, if you're listening today and haven't joined the fight, go to als.org backslash take dash action and become an ALS advocate today. And we will share a link to that in the show notes so people can join the fight. Ashley, it sounds like you and the team have been incredibly busy in recent weeks and have a lot of work on the horizon. So thanks so much for taking time to update our listeners. Thank you. Well, getting people with ALS access to promising treatments as quickly as possible and expanding the drug development pipeline are two top priorities for the ALS Association. That is why the ALS Association has fought so hard to move Act for ALS through Congress. And to get a better sense of where we are in that particular fight, I had an opportunity to sit down with Representative Mike Quigley, who is the sponsor in the House of the Act for ALS bill. So let's hear from him now. Well, Representative Quigley, we really want to thank you for your time this week and all the work that you've been doing, but uh, thanks for joining us on Connecting ALS. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, very exciting news with the uh, forward movement on Act for ALS. Uh, I want to kick things off. Uh, you've been such a prominent leader in this fight. So, so how do you see this legislation impacting people living with the disease, living with the disease today and, and those who may be diagnosed uh, down the road? Yeah, and look, I, I got to start off with what you said, Yesterday was a historic day for all those concerned with neurodegenerative diseases and particularly ALS. Yesterday, the Committee on Energy and Commerce's Health Subcommittee unanimously advanced Act for ALS. Uh, this is big news. So we'll get to the thank yous later, but this, this moves the ball. This is a transformative moment uh, that we can all be proud of. So you know, why it matters is uh, the act for ALS would help ALS uh, patients and others suffering from neurodegenerative diseases uh, to gain access to promising treatments that have already completed their early trials, but they haven't yet been approved by the FDA. It would also bring together experts from health and human services, patient advocates, drug sponsors, and researchers uh, to drive the conversation forward on ALS treatment. And finally, it's gonna create a new program 
the Rare Neurodegenerative Disease Grant Program to advance research ideas for ALS and other uh, such diseases. So it's, uh, it's very ambitious, but we know that nearly one in 300 people suffer from ALS, they're impacted by ALS, and those diagnosed typically have you know, no more than three years to live before the disease takes their lives. That's about 300,000 Americans who need access to new cutting edge treatments that can improve or save their lives. When you called for a vote on the bill just a few weeks ago, you mentioned that it was, if I remember correctly, you mentioned that it was the bill with the most number of co-sponsors that had yet to move forward, yet to be passed. What made you think, given everything that's going on, all the, all the activity in Congress, exciting times, uh, why was now the time to call for action? You know, I think you struck on it a little bit there. As polarized as our country is, as, as difficult as it is to get anything done, I think it should give us pause and make us feel pretty good that something as important as this has 326 co-sponsors in the House from across the political spectrum. These are people who don't normally work and play well together. (laughs) But because of this and its importance, they have. So there's no better time to move forward, right? It's not going to get easier later on. Uh, and, you know, this, this, despite the fact that this passed the subcommittee uh, unanimously yesterday in advance to the full committee, this has been very difficult. So I, I'm not about tempting the fates. Um, sure. It's time to move forward. Uh, all sorts of things can happen to delay legislation, and I want to get it done while we have a window. Yeah, you talk about that window, and and you you know you mentioned it was a unanimous vote in the subcommittee. Uh, w- what do we make of that in terms of any type of momentum going forward? And 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 where does the bill go from here? You mentioned the full committee, and we've all seen the Schoolhouse Rocks video of how a bill becomes to law. But can you just walk us through next steps? Yeah, you know the charts of how a bill becomes a law are somewhat antiseptic and idealistic. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, and you know I'm very proud of the advocates. I am ALS and the ALS Association uh, have just done a masterful job moving forward. And we, we should be very thankful to Chairwoman Anna Eshoo for her unyielding support for this. Uh, she chaired yesterday's hearing. It moved forward. We also heard from Congressman Curtis and Ranking Member McMorris Rogers for help on this. So uh, thanks to them, as well as Chairman of the Full Committee, Frank Pallone. So, you know, now it goes to Chairman Malone's full committee. We were told that a full committee markup on yesterday's measures should happen before Thanksgiving. And oh, wow. I can't think of a more appropriate day to celebrate a victory on something so important as we look back and are appreciative and grateful that this would, this would make Thanksgiving a little more special. And then there's really nothing that stops this bill with this many co-sponsors and unanimous support that we've built uh, in the subcommittee from getting a full vote and passing out of the House uh, before the end of the year. Uh, I don't count my chickens. We're going to stay on it. I encourage the advocates to continue their work, but there's a window to get this out of the House by the end of the year. 
That's great news. And I'm sure that's going to be exciting for folks listening at home to hear. You you mentioned advocates and, and uh, you know, encouraging them to stay engaged. What is the message for them? I, I know that much like the drug development process, the legislative process can seem slow and, you know, at times frustrating for people who are waiting for action. But, you know, what can advocates do to stay engaged and to kind of add urgency to to the process? You know, I think they stay in touch with the members of the House that they have been communicating with. And if they haven't, (laughs) uh, start that conversation. And I think one of the reasons we do that is there's always going to be another bill. There's always going to be more that needs to be done. You know, if I were to look forward and look to a day when we have passed this legislation, I assure you that there'll be other measures that matter as much, including appropriations, funding this, these grant programs as time goes on, and the critical research that needs to take place. So, you know, don't stop advocating ever. Agitate, 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 because those relationships matter, you know, with the staff and the members and the people who work in the executive branch. Those relationships matter. The communication that goes back forth and back and forth matters. And you don't want to call people for the first time when you want to ask for something. You want to have a relationship. And then, of course, I think the fact that we have gotten past some very difficult policy hurdles with the agencies, I think there's opportunities to move the Senate along quicker than we might have thought. So uh, I suspect that that would be where folks would go after this starting today. We were fortunate to have a companion bill this year in the Senate led by Senator Coons and Murkowski and support is building there. Get on them, your senators, and let them know why this matters. And we can share some links in the show notes for people who uh, want to engage in that advocacy or sign up to become an advocate if they're not already. Representative Quigley, before we let you go about the busy work of your day, uh, any closing thoughts for, uh, for folks listening at home who are excited about this progress and, and looking forward to continuing the fight forward? You know, I think it should give folks hope, that, but hope, while it's the most important thing, isn't enough. We, we've got to get things done. So, you know, when this began for me uh, with the ALS Association's Ice Bucket Challenge, I was playing hockey and on a rink, I had both teams dump 20 ice buckets on me. You can guess I got woken up to do something. You know, we started something smaller. This is a model, right? Uh, we doubled the research dollars the Pentagon was putting toward ALS. Two years ago, it was 10. We took it to 20 and then from 20 to 40. And that's, that's what we're funding again this year. And I'm fortunate enough to call, you know, Brian Wallach, a friend, his team at IMLS brought to the issue to my staff, you know, about three years ago and been working on it ever since. So this is a good day. It, it shows that, you know, passion and thought behind an issue, you know, almost anything is possible. Even a couple months ago, I was concerned with our ability to get this done. But uh, with perseverance, anything's possible. And I'm just proud to be associated with the advocates and my staff. And, and I'm, again, I have to say, I'm very grateful to Chairman Pallone and Anna Eshoo and all those on a bipartisan basis, Jeff Fortenberry on the Republican side to move this forward. Much work remains for advocates and for you all on the Hill. So uh, once again, really appreciate your time today and uh, your work in fighting for people living with ALS. 
We keep moving. Thank you. I want to thank our guests for this week, Ashley Smith, Director of Advocacy at the ALS Association, and Congressman Mike Quigley from Illinois. If you are not yet an advocate, check out the link in our show notes and join the fight. A quick reminder for listeners, the ALS Focus Survey on Mobility is currently open. Check out the link in our show notes to learn how you can get involved. And if you want to learn more information about the work being done to enact the Act for ALS and the Promising Pathways bills, check out our June 3rd episode, Next Steps in Speeding Up the Drug Development Process, which we will link to in the show notes. You can subscribe to Connecting ALS wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you are there, please find time to rate and review the show. It is a great way for us to find more listeners to connect with. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Race Car, post-production by Garrett Tiedemann, production management by Gabriela Montequin, supervised by David Hoffman. That is going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. We'll connect with you again soon.